but I broke it down because I'm an engineer and I used to work in risk mitigation and loss prevention. That's like what I did professionally. So I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? How does this go really sideways, really bad? And you just break it down monthly, right? What's your monthly commitment? And when I, when I realized, oh, okay, well, I make more than that in my job and I have all of my expenses, but I had a really high savings rate. And I said, like, this just, this just can't be that bad. Like, it's just not that scary. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey friends, so I wanna get real with you for just a quick second here, okay? So my wife and I decided it was time to take a risk and for me to leave my day job as head of growth at a marketing agency and go all in on Spontaneous and the Behind the Stays podcast. This is both incredibly exciting and also terrifying. Um, It's exciting because it means I'll have way more time to make the show better and to spin up new products and services designed to help you grow your hospitality brands and short-term rental businesses. And it's terrifying because I'm saying goodbye to a nice paycheck and health benefits and 401k match and yada yada. Oh, and did I mention that we just had a kid who's just two months old? Yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting time. Okay, so here's here's the ask, all right? In order to grow the show and increase the value of the content we create, we need the support of our advertising partners. Now, trust me, I know how tempting it is to just skip through podcast ads. I feel you and I'm a culprit too, okay? But it would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to write an email to the guestie team or DM them on social media and just thank them for being a behind the stage sponsor. Perhaps you have a PMS system already or perhaps your short-term rental business is just getting started and you you don't need one of the dozens of incredible features and offers that their software provides. And that's all A-OK. But if you just take a quick second to thank them for being a sponsor on the show, what you're really doing is you're really saying, hey, I like the show. Thank you for helping it continue. And thank you for making Zach uh, be able to spend more time making the show even better for us. So this will also just help uh, prove to my wife that this quote unquote podcasting thing can be more than just a hobby. So if you don't mind pausing the episode that you're listening to right now and scrolling down to the show notes to find Guesty's social handles and their marketing team's email address and shooting them just a quick message, thanking them for advertising on the Behind the Stays podcast, I would be so grateful. All right, folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Michael Albaum, a professional remote real estate investor, Airbnb superhost, and fellow podcaster. After getting an engineering degree and moving to the Bay Area, Michael stumbled upon a book that would forever shift his perspective on work and wealth. And that book? Well, it was none other than Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In this episode of Behind the Stays, Michael shares candidly about how he's been able to grow a portfolio of short-term and longer-term rentals that are mostly remote, as in he doesn't live in close proximity to his properties. Michael and I chat about the pros and cons of using a property manager, the importance of balancing perspectives and decisions from both an investment and a hospitality lens, the future of OTAs like Airbnb, and how to get a crash course on real estate investment on Twitter. All right, without further ado, Get ready to meet Michael. All right, Michael, we are live, man. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks so much, Zach. Super excited to be here. All is well in my world. Um, other than the fact that I'm dealing with an atmospheric river, as it's been uh, dubbed out here on the West Coast. So yeah. nonstop rain for weeks on end. But no complaints. We need it. Yeah. I mean, hey, it, it is crazy. Like in D.C., where where I'm based, we haven't had like, an e- not even an inch of snow this entire uh, winter. We've had like a, one or two dustings, and like I'm getting these photos from my ca- my friends in like California, even in San Diego, and they're like, "Dude, it's like hailing in San Diego," and it's like, just it's just ridiculous. I'm like, bring some of that winter weather over here, man. Like we, we have like the worst of winter where it's just cold and like windy, but like there's no snow. Not <laughs> <laughs> like the benefits of that the fluffy snow. Yeah, somebody sent me a video. They were skiing on Mount Diablo. And any listeners like Bay Area or California yeah, might know yeah. it's like 
that's not a place that gets snow. <laughs> it's been wild. Yeah. Wow, dude. Crazy, crazy times. Yeah, I have a, a bunch of the people that listen to this podcast. They have Airbnbs in um, in like northern or not even northern California in like Big Bear in southern California. And like you're okay, seeing yep. just like the incredible amounts of snow that they got. I think Big Bear was actually closed for like like you couldn't actually get up the mountain. Um, I think they might have just opened it back up or something like that. Um, I don't know if you have Dang. more context uh, on that or not. Uh, Big Bear, no, but that's where I grew up, like going skiing and stuff. But now I'm c- pretty close to Lake Tahoe and they closed Highway 80, oh, uh, which geez. is like the main vein up there. Cause yeah, it's just like you're literally driving through a tunnel of snow. Wow. It's outrageous. Yeah, that's insane, man. Wow. Well, as much as I love talking about the weather, um, we should probably talk talk <laughs> about you and a little bit about uh, what we're what we're here to talk about today. So I thought it would be fun, Michael. Uh, we connected on Twitter actually, and I, I can't remember. Yep. I must have seen like a thread or something of yours, and I started following you. And then I think we're both a part of the. Uh, there's like an STR community that somebody started. I don't even know who started it on Twitter. Me neither. Um, and and we've you know gone back and forth a little bit there. I was told you I like posted something saying I was going to Portugal. I think I might have even said Lisbon. And turns out you have an Airbnb in Lisbon, and that's how we kind of initially connected. Since then, I followed you, and um, you know you've got you've got some great stuff. I learned that you are also a podcast host, so we have a lot to to kind of cover today. But I thought it'd be yeah. fun to to start really at the beginning of of how you first got into this this space. Like, do you remember when the idea of real estate investing first first became attractive to you? Like, what what were sort of like the events that led up to one you being aware that this space even existed, and the, and then two you being interested in in building a, a brand for yourself in in this space. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do remember it very um, poignantly. So it was, I just graduated college and got this like killer engineering job up in the Bay Area. Okay. And I was like, I've done it. I've arrived. <laughs> I've made it to the mountaintop. I'm a genius. And, and then I got that first paycheck and I was like, wah, wah, wah. And I'm like, this is not like, this is not the answer. This is not going to get me where I want to go fast enough. So I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure many of your listeners have, have read it. And it just kind of made sense to me from huh. like a theoretical level because I was an engineer. I'm like, I live in this math, uh, Excel world. And so I spent like two years just like self-educating. Bigger Pockets wasn't around like Roofstock wasn't around. So like a lot of the support systems weren't around. So I was just like consuming as much content as I could wherever yeah. I could find it. Yeah. And uh, and then bought that first rental property. I'm like, okay, I can. And, and I think the thing for me, I was like scared out of my mind signing my name to the dotted line for that first mortgage. I'm like, yeah. this is so much money. But I broke it down because I'm an engineer and I used to work in risk mitigation and loss prevention. That's like what I did professionally. Okay. Like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? How does this go really sideways, really bad? And you just break it down monthly, right? Yeah. What's your monthly commitment? And when I when I realized, oh, okay, well, I make more than that in my job and I have all of my expenses, but I had a really high savings rate. And I said, like, this just this just can't be that bad. Like, it's just not that scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did that. Again, first rent check shows up. And again, I'm like, I'm a genius. I figured it out. And I'm realizing, <laughs> of course, everybody else, many people have it for me. But it was a really good feeling. And I said, look, if I do this once a year for 10 years, that will that will be good. Hmm. Right. Cause that's that sounded like a good number. So yeah. Started doing that um, very quickly, went out of state because I was traveling for work, buying up properties all over the place um, until I found kind of my niche in multifamily uh, value add in the Midwest uh, and then got into the, the STR space. So it's been a very long, progressive, bloody, tear filled journey, but uh, <laughs> glad, I, glad I decided to make the jump. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's such a like well uh, packaged uh, story for for how you got into the space, what led you there and and some initial learnings along the way. Uh, which is which is great. There are three questions that I get asked all the time by listeners of Behind the Stays. Number one, Zach, are you trying to imitate Guy Raz from NPR's interview style? Number two, Zach, do you really spend a dozen hours each week looking for the best Airbnb deals? And number three, Zach, is Guesty for Hosts really worth checking out? Well, friends, the answer to all three of these questions is, of course, yes. While there are many property management softwares on the market, I always encourage our listeners to check out Guesty for Hosts. Guesty's channel manager centralizes reservations across Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com to stay on top of your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels. Guesty's automation tools enable you to connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. 
And Guessy's new and improved website builder allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, which allows you to grow your brand and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guesty is positioned well to grow with you. As your business grows, you can grow with Guesty for Pros by unlocking new features and offerings designed for larger portfolios. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking at exploring a new one, I've got a treat for you. The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and Spontaneous subscribers $20 off an annual or monthly plan for Guesty for hosts when they use the discount code SPONTANEOUS when signing up for a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. There's no setup fee. Uh, there's no commitment. So try it out and cancel anytime if you don't love it. Guesty for hosts. They're the bestie of top-rated STR super hosts. All right, folks, back to the show. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that that first deal so uh this and and i'll just tell you right up front michael like one of the things i like to do on this podcast is there's i mean there's tons of shows like your show like the bigger pockets of the world that are super investment uh focused and i you know if you want a crash course in all this stuff there's people that are way smarter that have done built up way larger content libraries than i have that have done this stuff really 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 well so we actually don't talk a ton about like the the art of the deal right um if, if you will when it comes to when it comes to this podcast but but i do i feel like we have this growing uh uh, audience of folks who have done a really great job of building up a solid brand, mostly again in the short term rental space. They have one or two properties, right? And I mean, they have a massive audience that they've built for these one or two properties. I mean, they've got 50,000, 100,000 followers for their cabins on Instagram, right? And they're now being like, huh, I've, d- I've done the hard work of building a brand and, and building, building an audience, but I only have one or two properties. And so I'm starting to get more and more questions about like, huh, how should I think about scale? Or, hey, I've never even really like, thought of myself as a real estate investor. I've always kind of just thought of myself as like a Airbnb host or or maybe like a hospitality entrepreneur. But I wait a second, I own property, I rent these properties. Oh, I I am a real estate investor, right? And so I'd yeah. love to hear I'd love to hear just a little bit more about kind of that that first deal that came that came across the table. How did how did you even know that it was like a good deal? Had you had you spent you said you spent a couple years learning before you before you bought that that first property and were were there any particular learnings uh and or if you I guess a, a better way of packaging this question is if you could go back and tell yourself anything, right? Right before you made that first deal. Are there are there resources that you would have skipped out on and and content that you wouldn't have consumed? How would you essentially streamline your learning if you had to do so a little bit quicker than you know two years and you were talking to yourself now? Yeah, that's such a good question, Zach. Um, so first and foremost, yes, there were like a ton of learnings from that very first deal. First and foremost is that it's not that scary. It's not as scary as as you think it is for yourself. Uh, nor is it as scary as I think other people make it out to be because mm. I'm sure you and probably many of your listeners have talked to people who got burned in 07 and 08 yep, or who yep. got burned in the prior crashes and like real estate doesn't work. It's stupid. You're losing, lose your shirt. It's like, well, how did you approach? And I think people take that at face value. Like, yeah. Oh shoot. Like you've done real estate. So I, and, and you got burned, so I shouldn't do it. But I think we have to take, get a step further and say, well, okay, well, how are you investing in real estate? Hmm. Did you run the numbers or did hmm. you just go buy a house because everyone was buying houses to try to flip a house because everyone's something like, what did you do? Learn from that. And then I want to make sure I don't make the same mistakes. Yeah. And so I think too often we take things at face value, blanket statements, real estate doesn't work, or you're going to lose your shirt or it's risky as fact. Yeah. So that was, that was one thing I learned. And then another thing is just like your first run, your, your first run, your first deal is, is probably not going to be a home run. Hmm. Hmm. And that's okay. Hmm. And to use a baseball analogy, it's like base hits, base knocks is what wins games. It's not, I mean, grand slams are nice and sexy and cool. And that's what everyone is aiming for. But getting on base is still really good because yeah. that's how you score. Um, and then the other thing I think that people often get caught up with, I know I did, is looking for the perfect deal. Hmm. Like the hmm. first one, you've you've heard all these horror stories. You want to make sure that you don't get screwed over. And so you've got to find the best thing. Well, there will always be a better deal. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are a few things in life that are certain. And I'm here to say, like, put my stamp. You heard it here first. Like, there will always be a better deal. And so don't get caught up with that. Go get go buy good deals and go buy great deals. And don't worry about the grand slams. Those will come later. Yeah. Um. So I think just not getting kind of in your own way. The analysis paralysis is pretty real for a lot of people. It was for me for a long time. Um. 
And so I, I think that's those are my big takeaways. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And it's almost, I guess, one way of maybe even thinking about it is like the margin between like good and great. Um, you know, it, it, it's probably slimmer than most people think it is, right? Um, and I think it's probably, it, you're probably safer. And and if it is a really, really, really great deal, especially if you're just starting out, you you probably aren't going to win, right? Like meaning there, there if, if it's if it's great enough, there are probably other people that are maybe a little bit more sophisticated. They're a little bit like further down in their journey who uh, who might be looking at that, at that same deal as well. And so I do feel like, well, well, generally, right, people talk about not settling for the good, right, and, and going for the great. I think in this particular context, especially if you're you're just starting out, um, good good can be great. Um, so I, I love that. I love that advice. Yeah, and I think you bring up such a great point, and and I talk about this all the time with folks that I coach and consult with. Like the difference that that line between good and great. Um, if we look at like a from a pure math mathematical standpoint, you have to forgive me because I'm a reformed engineer. And this is how <laughs> I speak and live and breathe. But like someone's like, oh, I have to get double digit returns, like 10% cash on cash. Yeah. It's like okay, well, this deal pencils out at 8% cash on cash. The dollar difference is 40 bucks a month. So each Chipotle with guacamole three times less and that you cover your difference. Like it's <laughs> it's just not that hard. And so I think we get so, so focused yeah. and, and zoomed in on the numbers. We have to take a step back and, and actually understand, okay, but what does it like mean? What is, how yeah. does that translate into our everyday life? And I think um, that's something that I definitely was guilty of as well. Yeah. So take a step back. Yeah, I love that. It, it, it's like going back to like, you know, first principles thinking here, right? Like, and not just, oh, because you listened to a few Bigger Pockets podcasts and or you read a couple of blog articles that said that you should be shooting for, a, you know, a 10% cash on cash return. Therefore, you have to, right? Um, this and, is my and, criteria. And, yeah. yeah. And like a lot of people stop there, right? Um, understandably, because it's, you know, these folks can get overwhelmed. And a lot of people, I, I actually have found that a lot of people in this space aren't necessarily, don't necessarily like love the number, the number crunching, right? It's it, like, that's what's difficult to them. They like the idea. I mean, maybe this is just true for all of us. We like the idea of what real estate investment can bring us, but the work part, um, the upfront work part, eh, maybe, maybe a little less fun for, for, for many of us. Um, I'm down to skip it. <laughs> I'm down to fast forward. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I love that. I love that. Um, it's, that's really, really, really good advice. So I want to talk a little bit about roof stock. So you, you, first of all, could you just give us sort of like the, the shark tank paint, the shark tank paint, the shark tank pitch <laughs> for, uh, for what, for what roof stock is? Yeah, totally. So they were designed to be the marketplace, like the number one marketplace for buying and selling single family investment homes. That's the space that they created. So think of it like the eBay people are buying and selling things on the platform all over the country okay. um, and all over the world. So it's a it's a pretty cool model. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And and what you, you like you head up the the content team there is is that is that what is that what you do there? Yeah, so I did. I helped develop uh, what was called the Roofstock Academy, which okay. is an education program. We've since closed the doors and focusing just on existing membership. But now I work on the content team, uh, helping marketing develop content uh, for for our users. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on on the show, Michael, is uh, you've done you've done a lot of. Uh, at least this is what the internet says about you, right? Like you've 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 done. <laughs> which which it must be true. <laughs> like I was actually. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know the folks over. At, at Wander, um, but um, mm -mm. They, they've sort of like blown up in the space recently. They're trying to like you know verticalize the short-term rental industry, essentially build like a you know competitor to, to Airbnb. They've got these high-end, okay. very luxurious properties, um, you know, tech-enabled spaces. Like I think every single Air, you know every single Airbnb, every single Wander comes with a, <laughs> a, a Tesla, and like they have. I mean, what? yeah, yeah, and they have like they have like a REIT that's associated with it, um, and and like so it's it's it, it's a it's a pretty cool. Well, it, it looks really cool. I don't know how great of a business it actually is, but anyways, I had their founder on the podcast uh, maybe a couple months ago now, and in in preparing for the interview. And I had followed him on Twitter for a while, but in preparing for the interview, I just, you know, did some basic Googling. I like to come in like a little prepared, right? And turns out like three of the things that I thought were like, sure, like surely this is true about him. We're just completely false. And so like, thank God, thank God I had sent him some questions ahead of time. He's like, yeah, man, like, uh, no, like Peter Thiel's not in this deal. And hey, yeah, man, like actually like this is, you know, <laughs> this is not the lead. Like, and, and literally like I was like sending him the articles. I was like, dude, well, <laughs> I didn't just pull this Someone out of my ass. Someone thinks this is true. Yeah. These are like reputable, like sort like industry sources. And you're like, yeah, dude, like you can't trust that stuff. Anyhow, 
all that is to say is I hope these the things that I'm about to share uh, about you are true. Um, and and one of those being you've you've done a lot of deals uh, remotely, right? Like you don't you don't. It's not like you have a bunch of. It's not like your your portfolio is is in your backyard, right? Um, and I think yes. that like managing like first of all acquiring deals managing properties uh remotely is is it is a totally different beast especially if it's not just you know three hours four hours down the road but like a four-hour plane ride right to, to the property so yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the folks that are tuning into this podcast again the re- one of the reasons i wanted to have you on is there i get a lot of questions from folks who are interested in buying airbnbs buying homes and then turning them into short-term rentals in markets that they don't live near but there's always this fear right of like mm-hmm. oh god i know how hard it was to set up you know my own my first str and that was a two-hour drive away and that was like a pain in the butt but like i i know i have a contact i have context for that the idea of doing that for a, a place that might be a two-hour plane ride away is just is is overwhelming so how i guess this is again a long way of asking you a question. How have you approached sort of the acquisition and and the management of of your real estate uh, while while not living close to it? Yeah, it's a really it's a really good question and one that I think a lot of people do struggle with. Um, just to sidestep that really quickly, I'm really glad you didn't say that the internet says I'm six foot tall and I was gonna have to come on here and admit that I'm only five eight because that would have been <laughs> really embarrassing. But so back to your question, uh, it, there's a number of different ways to do it, and so I use full service property managers for okay. all my remote STRs. We do manage um, our own STR that was our primary residence. That's about four and a half hours away, so okay. we're kind of right on the cusp of needing to go get a flight for. Um, my younger brother, actually, he manages, self-manages fully remote. So he's he's kind of figured out. And I think there are a lot of people, owner operators that have figured that out. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to who the boots on the ground are. Who are your actual people people that are servicing the property yeah. uh, and having a good communication and a lot of communication with them? Because any STR uh, owner will tell you, I mean, cleaners is like, first line of defense number one if that's not right yeah the whole the whole thing falls apart yeah and so having rock solid cleaners um the people who are setting up the cleaning who are my management companies happen to live in that market but they're picking up the phone it's not like they're going to the cleaning office so yeah. you could absolutely do that remotely the people that are coordinating the handyman service or the repair service or the repair call whatever it is yeah are picking up the phone to call to coordinate that. So you can also do the same from, from wherever you physically are located for us. We just wanted that peace of mind. We wanted to be more hands-off. I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't want to have to be the manager because yeah. I played that role before. And for us, my time is better spent elsewhere, focusing on other things. So yeah. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pay these people and pay them well to, to manage it on our behalf. Yeah. Um, for someone that, that, isn't in that position or doesn't want to be or really likes the management piece of it because I've met people out there that like enjoy that, yeah. that part of it. Yeah. Like more power to you. Awesome. Go figure out who do you have to call to make this thing successful. And it's going to be cleaners, handyman, repair techs. Uh, once you've got that established, there's tons of tech out there to help streamline the process. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know exactly all about it because again, I'm not managing it myself, but yeah. There are things that integrate with your Airbnb calendar that talk to the cleaners on a schedule from a scheduling perspective. So there's stuff out there to make it possible. Yeah. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to go check it out. Yeah, I, I, I love all of that. And um, uh, one one thing um, I've been interested in, and maybe you have, you probably have personal context for sure, but even just through um, through kind of what you hear in the industry, I'm curious what what your thoughts are on this. What are your thoughts on sort of like the like the national like branded property managers uh, versus sort of like the smaller boutique homes? Like I know I can't remember if I told you this uh, or not, uh, Michael, but like I my business spontaneous. What we do is we scrape Airbnb uh, several times a week and we find like the best last minute deals and we ship them off to our our subscribers and folks can uh, score incredible, you know, deals if they're willing to travel pretty last minute and, and book a and book a short term rental. And. I'm telling you, like the national brands, like the, the the reviews and like the average ratings are just abysmal, right? And so I'm curious, like, do you work with like any 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 of them? If so, what has your experience been? And um, it, you know, if not, why why don't you work with uh work with these these sort of like national uh well known property managers? Yeah, it's another really good question, Zach. So I personally don't. Okay. Uh, I've interviewed them, I've chatted with them, and it just comes down to that level of service. Yeah. And am, am I uh, a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond? Yeah, yeah. I want to be the big fish in the little pond. I want I want to be considered important and valuable yeah. uh, as opposed to just kind of a number on a spreadsheet. 
And that's unfortunately, and again, not all of them, because I haven't talked to all of them or worked with all of them. Yeah. Um, but from my experience, just the, the big national players don't have the attention to detail. Uh, and it's because they can't. Yeah. Like if you understand what goes into property management business, especially with, from an STR perspective, like there's a lot of attention to detail. It takes a lot of people power to, to get this right. Yeah. And they often don't have, like they have the scale, but they often don't have the back end support. Yeah. And I'm dealing with that right now, actually with, I just posted, like, I'm kind of sick of my short-term management company out in, in the Smokies. Does anyone have any recommendations? Huh. And I think they just grew too fast. Like they yeah. were that mom and pop. And that's what initially attracted me to them. Uh, they knew the community, like it's just that personal level of service. Yeah. And that has really fallen by the wayside and you see it in the reviews. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's tough. It's really tough because those national players, if you have a national portfolio, you can just plug into them. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop. Yeah. So from an efficiency standpoint, it makes total sense, but you have to look at the results. And I think that they often leave something to be desired. Why do you like, why do you think that is Michael? Like, is it, is it just because it, like, I wonder, right? Like the, you know, the Vacasas of the world, for instance, right? Um, Early, early into the space, short-term rentals mm -hmm. are are like just becoming a thing. People realize that they need, you know, manager. It's a different kind of property manager than a long-term rental, right? They come up yeah. with a business model. They, you know, they're, they're early to ship product. Um, but then like along the way, Airbnbs have become so much more experiential um in in that like it's not just it's not just it's no longer just like property management right it's, it's almost like right. it's like hospitality management it's travel expectation yes. management it's you know uh, it, it's basically all the pressures that some that like a hotel like a like a higher-end hotel might have yes on on short-term rentals now and, and is it just that vacasa has not they grew too quickly or like they, they were never able to pivot from just like property managers to experience managers or like what what musings do you have on that if any yeah man these are such good questions i i think i think you hit the nail on the head i think it's it's gone it's migrated from a customer expectation from a from a uh housing type of experience to hmm. to a hospitality type of agreement i mean you go down to the front desk of a hotel and, and sit in the lobby for an hour and you hear the kind of crap that people come and complain about <laughs> like now that's what that's what airbnb customers are doing yeah and so if the management isn't equivalent of a hotel management they're not equipped to deal with that type of stuff like of course you're going to lose and of course yeah. you're going to see that reflected in the ratings so i i think it's been a, a big mindset shift in, in the customers uh and and the the vacasas of the world, if you will, haven't yet adopted or caught up to that mentality or have said, oh, this is the way we've always done it. This is how we're going to continue to do it. Or they're asking too much. And like, yeah, maybe, but also like if that's our customer and yeah. that's who's responsible for the reviews, like isn't our isn't it our responsibility to adapt with them? Yeah. So I think I think with these large companies and you see it kind of across the board, whatever industry you're in, big companies are slow to react and yeah. slow to respond. Yeah. And it's like turning a big ship. So um yeah, and, I, and I've, I've experienced that again with with smaller companies that were small, grew too big, and then it's like trying to turn this massive cruise ship. It's like, man, this sucks. You got to be more nimble. You have to be more responsive. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they just yeah they're 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 misaligned and they're missing the eight ball. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I've always wondered with folks who who use property managers, especially uh, remotely, like how how you do ensure the level of care and concern. Because again, in especially on uh, OTAs like like Airbnb, 
um, reviews are everything, right? Like they have a they have a huge impact in in with respect to how you rank, right? They have a huge impact in just yeah. user, uh, you know, prospective customer, um, um, you know, initial reactions as they're as they're looking at your listing page, right? One of the first thing that people do is look at the the average ratings, right? Um, before they even yeah, read I reviews, do. I do. Yeah, it's like yeah. If, it, if it's like a four point six, four point. Hell, I'm just like I don't even care. I stop there and I go back to you know the search result pages. If not even a four point, you know, eight. Um, and so, and you know, anyways, and so like, is it, how, how do you, I guess, help, help your property managers manage your, your homes, right. In a way that's up to sort of the standard that you expect, given the fact that you, you are remote, like, do you, like how frequently are you meeting with them or are you only meeting with them when you see like a four-star review come in? Yes. That, that's usually it. It's usually, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's when, it's when the crap hits that yeah. you're like, Hey, we got to have a conversation because something isn't working. Yeah. And of course you don't want to pivot your entire strategy because yeah. of one person. You're never going to make everyone happy and they're going to no. be crummy reviews, even though everybody did everything right. Yep. So yep. I think you just have to understand that. And if you can't stomach that, like this isn't the business for you. Yeah. And I know like me personally, I get rocked by those reviews. I'm like, Oh my God, like this sucks. What did they do? They screwed up. And then I hear their side of the story and it's like, Oh, the person leaving that review is literally insane in the yeah, head. Yeah. And if like there's there's no blame to point. Yeah. But it's when it's it's habitual mm. that when you start to see patterns, you're like, hey, let's have a conversation about this because clearly something isn't working. Yeah. And truth be told, Zach, that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm having these conversations as we speak. Yeah. Uh, because it is habitual. Like how many times do you have to restart a listing because of bad customer reviews yeah. before it's like, this isn't working? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'll I'll share with you, by the way, too. Like we went to our Airbnb in Portugal. And we like, we noticed a ton of stuff that was, we saw in the reviews and, and we experienced the same thing. And it's like, guys, like we're the owners and we're yeah. having the same experience, crummy experience as these customers. Like you should be going above and beyond to make sure that it's, it's perfect for us. Yeah. Um, so we ended up switching property management companies. And I think one thing to think about is like, just oftentimes it's easier to rip the bandaid off than to try to fix the wound, yeah. so to speak. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, don't be gun shy about switching property managers because oftentimes it's well worth the headache and the legwork up front, like we we're talking about for the end result, as opposed to just letting things be crummy for longer because we're wanting to be avoidant of the problem. Yeah. Are there are there good resources, Michael, that you've tapped into to to do uh, research into local more boutique sort of property managers in like a particular market? Like, is there is there essentially like a, a nice like listing site of like, folks that you know are in the smokies and you can just kind of go and you know, they've got ratings and reviews of the property managers uh, are, is there any sort of like a aggregation sites that exist at like a local market level not that i've seen and, and i hope you don't mind uh, me stealing that idea and running with it because i think it's Please. a million dollar idea like <laughs> i think i think it's genius to be honest because no i haven't seen one yeah. if there is uh would love for for any listeners that are aware of one to send it over our way because i have not it's it's kind of the guerrilla warfare style of call pounding the phones and emails and calling and getting uh reviews from other users and other customers. And then real estate Twitter has been awesome. I posted that post the other day yeah. and got like eight or so different managers and some people like, hey, I manage my own stuff. I'll manage yours. Like, so it, that's a really good community, I think, to, to plug into if you're not currently. Yeah. But as far as like a Yelp for property property managers, like yeah. there's of course Google reviews and stuff, but there, I have not seen a good aggregation website. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the yeah, at the at the local level would be would be super helpful. Um that'd be yeah. really helpful. If anyone's building this, let us know. Um but Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the note, uh, before we before we uh, kind of move away from this this topic, Michael, it, it, because you mentioned your Airbnb in Portugal. So I uh, do you know Plum Guide? Have you heard of Plum Guide? Yes, but I couldn't tell you why or like how I know it. Okay, so they must be a lot smaller than I think that they are because no one seems to know them. Um, and <laughs> but and so now I'm a little scared because I've like booked through <laughs> them. But no, but um, I've been following them for a while. I knew I knew somebody at one point who was on their like founding team and whatnot, and they, they seem like great people. Anyways, so their models are their models really interesting. I think they're a UK based company. Um, they 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 are like an OTA. But what's really interesting about uh, about Plum Guide is apparently they've got uh, you know a, a team of uh, experienced travelers who they go and they stay in these properties. They review them themselves. There are no actual reviews, right, of guests. 
Um, and so you okay. go into these OTAs, and apparently these are like highly curated. Like I think their positioning statement on their websites like the world, like stay in like the world's best homes or something like that. So like higher end, you know, you know, and not, not even like that high high end. Like I've seen some stuff that I'm like, oh, you know, interesting. But like it, it, it they're 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 clearly curated, right? Like highly highly curated. And I don't like no, you you can't just post your your Airbnb, right, so to speak, on on Plum Guide. Um, okay. Anyways, I've been following them for a while. And the reason I ended up booking with them, um, I'm going to, to Portugal uh, in May, and the reason I ended up booking with them is because they offered this, like, really helpful, like, concierge that would help, like, I because I don't know, like, Portugal, right, Portugal's, you know, it's not even that large of a country, but I knew I kind of wanted to be in, like, the, you know, southern part of Portugal, I had done Lisbon before, I was going to stay in Lisbon for a couple nights, and then wanted to go elsewhere, and then, anyways, they helped me, like, curate, like, a list of, like, properties that they would recommend, based off of, like, what I said my family was, like, looking for, almost like a travel agent would, right, and it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. through a simple chat, it was super easy, it was not, like, a long, like, very detailed thing, it was like, hey, this is kind of what I'm going for, and they were like, cool, here are five homes we think might fit your criteria, so I go in, and sure enough, I'm, like, looking for, like the reviews and there's no reviews from from uh travelers on these listings i'm like very interesting so i do a little bit more digging i read a little bit more about plum guide and apparently like that's their model like you can't ask you you can you can request a plum guide person to come out and like tour your property um and and uh, you know they interview the i guess the host or the property manager whatever it is and then they decide whether or not it makes like the plum guide list so I will let you know how this experience goes. Um, but yeah, please do. What I think was so the reason I brought it up is because in Europe, in particular, in my experience, the inventory on Plum Guide was far and above like in, in like if if you're going for like a nicer place with like good amenities, far and above what I found on Airbnb. Like looking in the same region, same locations, but Plum Guide had way more of the of the type of offering that I was looking for than than Airbnb had. And so I'm curious about it, you know, just in terms of its inventory, but then two also like, I'm curious what the actual experience is like. And if it is great, um, maybe there's this kind of new model for some of these OTAs, especially for higher end, you know, well-managed, well-managed properties where they're like, you know what, we just don't trust guests to be able to like leave great reviews. So we're just going to take guests out of the, out of the equation. And I wonder if maybe we're getting to a moment where there's too many reviews, there are too many people that we don't really know that we can trust, and so we're going to turn to brands uh, to to help make those decisions for us. I don't know. I think it's a long shot strategy, but we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, Zach. So I know, like we were talking about, the reviews are so. I would give it almost a fifty percent weighting in in how my decision making pans out. Yeah. With 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 the property pictures the other 50%. So yeah. as you're making this booking on Plum Guide, were you like, oh man, I, I hope it's like what the pictures show because you have no no way to verify other than your research knowing that Plum Guide you know, doesn't allow just any run-of-the-mill property to get put up there. So you're really placing a lot of faith in this company. In the brand, yeah, I know, I know. And so it's a huge risk. And I'm taking my like, you know, three-month son and my wife. And so I'm just hoping it's not gonna be a total disaster. But, <laughs> but something about the way that they and this is like a huge like ad for Plum Guide. Gosh, I should be getting. You should be getting commission. I promise I'm not, guys. This is <laughs> they are not a sponsor. Um, but but I but but what, I guess why I'm intri- why I was intrigued by it too is just like if this works and if this is a great experience, right? I know, especially when if when I'm traveling to Europe, like I'll be more. In, oh, you know what they also do? All the fees are wrapped up like in one price, so like you don't oh, see the I breakdown. You don't see taxes. You don't see you know the the host. Fee. You don't see any fees. It's it's literally one one price. One price. Um, and for me, that's the right that's way just, to do it's it. It's just so it simplifies everything, <laughs> and I don't yeah, feel like I'm yeah. being ripped off. I don't feel like oh damn, like why why is this you know cleaning fee fifty dollars more than this other cleaning fee? You know, like I don't. I, it takes all of that pressure off of me as a guest um so again jury is still very much out whether or not this is a good experience but if it is it might be an interesting strategy for more people to consider yeah absolutely and does it exist in in the u.s yet yeah they yeah so they're in the u.s uh again inventory is is still like growing i think that they've only been around for a couple years um but but yeah their their inventory they've like launched in um you know markets like the hamptons and several markets Mm. in california and whatnot so i think again they're being they're being pretty selective um with where they launch but but yeah i'll let you know how it goes um yeah please do um well anyways we can get back to our conversation and stop endorsing plum guide but um i (laughs) i I, I am curious uh 
Michael, you're as you as you've sort of like a grown in your own education on where to invest and how to invest with with respect to with respect to short term rentals in particular, like what markets are you in? And then how did you decide to like get into those markets? Yeah, so um, we're in the a couple different markets. We're in three different markets in the SDR space domestically here in the States. Uh, one is the Central Coast of okay. California, Pismo Beach area. And that just happened to be because it was our old primary. We moved out of it and we're like, oh, I want to rent it. It makes more sense as a short term. Really, we do midterm rentals in it because it's a condo. So we can't do less nice. than 30 nights. Okay. Um, so that's what we do with that one. Uh, then in the Smoky Mountains out in Tennessee, because everybody and their brother and sister and cousin and aunt and uncle are in that market too. So I was like, this seems like a good idea. Um, and that's been, that's been going okay. And then currently where we live in the Bay area, just outside San Francisco, we bought a duplex by design so we could house hack, rent out the upstairs unit and live in the downstairs unit. Nice. Nice. Okay. Wow. What are your thoughts on the, I mean, you said it was okay. Uh, the, the Smoky Mountains, because like, I think one of the hard things about these markets that end up like blowing up is, and, and you know, and everyone wants to wants to get in on the action. It I feel like the the threshold between great opportunity and like oversaturated is so is so slim. Um, and so like I guess when when do you feel like you got in, and and how 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 has it performed thus far? Yeah, you know it, that's another really good question. I got in like for sh- just before the peak. Okay. And then at the peak. Mm, okay. And so now things have tapered off. So I know for a fact that I paid, I probably overpaid for a lot of these properties and probably couldn't sell them today what I paid for them. Okay. Uh, yeah. A year and a half ago. Um, that being said, I locked in a great interest rate. They're long-term holds. Like I'm confident in the market as a whole. Yeah. So yeah. I I think right now we're experiencing some short-term pain mm. because it, it's it's going through this oversaturation. I'll call it a growth cycle, if you will, mm. where there's tons of people building, there's tons of people getting into the SCR space. Um, and it's just like the existing owners are feeling that, right? yeah. and that, that shows up in terms of occupancy and ADRs. Yeah. Now, that being said, the Smoky Mountains is also the number one most visited national park in the country. Yeah, yeah. I anticipate that number to continue growing as well as we start getting into a tougher economic period right now with interest rates continuing going up. Uh, people are maybe going to be flying less and doing more domestic travel. Yeah. So I, I think that there is the the demand side of the equation is yeah. still very strong. Uh, and I anticipate that to continue growing. So while it's a little bit painful right now and then the revenues aren't where I would like them to be, yeah. not where in my opinion they should be, um, I'm confident that they'll get there. Yeah. And I think you know, like real estate investing as a whole, I'm in it for the long term. I'm in it for the long game, and so I'm not. I'm really not too worried about the short term uh, pain. I will say yeah, that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. What are What are some of the conditions that you think would need to be in place in order for you to feel comfortable taking a risk on, let's just say, like a less trendy, you know, market? So you you know you know like the like the Burger King, and I think even maybe this was like Chipotle strategy at the at the offset, like. Anytime they wouldn't do any of the market research. Anytime a McDonald's opened, they would just go and like they'd rent, you know, real estate across the street from McDonald's or whatever. Let McDonald's, yeah. you know, spend all that money on R and D, and um, it, you know, so it's a fun like strategy, and it's a strategy that I think like a lot of folks end up, you know, uh, emulating whether they're aware of it or not in how they make their investment decisions. But I'm, but I'm curious, like, if you were to be McDonald's in this in this analogy, and you know, you don't have tons of time and or resources for R and D, but like you you are interested in sort of like. Uh, scoping out a, a a new market and or and or you know uh, taking a risk and acquiring a property on something that's it could go either way still in a space that could go either way so like what what are the conditions that you feel like would have to be in place to make you comfortable making that decision uh it's a really good question so i always make this joke that like if you're going to get into a market where there's a lot of bachelor and bachelorette party going like it's it's a good market but you maybe have missed the boat a little bit in terms of like it's already really popular because they're going there. Ah. And so I think it's just if you're as you're talking to people and living your life, as you hear like one offs of bachelor bachelorette party locations, like that could be a, a good sign of like, oh, I like oh this, this place is kind of up and coming. Yeah. Um, and I think also the biggest, the biggest, the biggest exposure to short term rentals is regulation. If all of a sudden a town decides, hey, we're no longer doing short-term rentals, like that can take a great investment and turn it upside down really quickly. Yeah. And so I think having the infrastructure there to support whatever other economies are going on there locally uh, and see what it looks like as a long-term rental or mid-term rental, if SDR becomes highly regulated, is also super important. Yeah. And so finding a place where 
you have kind of two overlaying concentric circles of, hey, it makes sense as an SDR, but also as an alternative, uh, there's a lot less risk associated with that investment because you can just pivot quite easily. So yeah. I think that would have, that. that's really what I look for uh, in thinking about new SDR markets. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, very well said. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What do you think about, so there's a lot of people, again, that, that tune into this podcast that have built these incredible brands. Um, and, you know, we've had people on the show who have basically like, created airbnbs in like the middle of nowhere right and they are like the destinations in and of themselves so people are coming to stay at this short-term rental right because they followed it on instagram for like the past three years or something like that right yeah yeah um what what like how do you how do you think about strategies like that like does, does the idea of i don't know buying land in the middle of like Idaho in the middle of like nowhere and then creating like an A-frame, you know, maybe you partner with a company like Den Outdoors, you buy their plans or they do for like, what do you think about sort of like builds from the ground up? And what do you think about sort of just like, I guess, like the branding of these properties in general? Um, have you entertained the idea of stepping into this space at all? At all? Is it like way too overwhelming? Where, where do you sort of like, you know, sit on, on the spectrum of won't touch that, you know, with a 10 foot pole because it's way too much work or dude, yep, we're, you know, doing this right now. From an obser observational level, I think it's genius. I think it's incredible. Uh, I'm very envious of the people that can do that. From an operational standpoint, I right now, I just don't have the bandwidth yeah. or the appetite to do it. Yeah. Uh, I just wrapped up like uh, what was supposed to be a one year redevelopment turned into a three year redevelopment project. Uh, so I'm like, you know what, let me just take a moment to breathe, <laughs> but, and, and I'm also not someone like, so I'm not on Instagram. Like I never have been my yeah. wife, my wife is. And, and, and that's how we find a lot of the really cool places we've stayed at. She yeah. is, does such a good job of finding these amazing places. Uh, so I know like it works. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm those people's clientele that shows up <laughs> to these incredible places to go stay. Uh, so I'm like, I'm, I would be over the moon to be able to do it myself. Yeah. Just right now, don't have the the systems in place to do it. But big, big fan. Yeah, yeah. Number no. one fanboy right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, it's incredible. Um, there's there's so much there's so many like exciting things happening in the in the space right now. In terms of in terms of systems and stuff, I know that you have property managers for for your your places, but like. Are there are there specific um is there, is there specific tooling and or and or uh, software or even sort of just like communication cadence that you've found to be quite helpful in terms of uh, again establishing like regular um, regular checkpoints and or anything that you've heard from them even anecdotally about like a guest experience that they've done that's been like really successful and really helpful uh, again in the in the spirit of thinking about like systemization and standardization and uh, you know um, ensuring sort of a, a certain quality of, of, of stay a certain consistency of that quality any systems or processes that your team implements that you think have been super helpful and or um, and or that you would encourage others to emulate if they aren't already yeah so i think it's it's something that we do for our short-term rental just in the in the unit upstairs is like a day before check-in send them you over your guest book make sure that you, know, you told them hey th these are the things you need for check-in yep and then once they once they've checked in a couple hours later check in with them hey is everything okay is there anything you need is there anything we can do different um and then just kind of semi-constant communication throughout the stay not to the point of annoyance because people are often there to escape to yeah. not be on their phones and so yeah. you don't want to be like, hey what do you need hey are you okay <laughs> hey, you know, right so 
I think length of stay is also going to be a factor in this. So someone that's staying for two days, you're going to have very different communication style than the person that stays for a month or two months. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think just understanding that as a, as a concept uh, and also putting yourself in the guest shoes of like, Hey, if you were going away for a weekend, how often would you want to hear from the host? Yeah. If you're going away for a month, how often would you want to hear? And then figuring out like, okay, is this being received? And so I know my younger brother for, for when he manages his uh, short-term rentals from a distance, they have a VA that yeah. they use. Yeah. So I think that can be really huge for us. It's just not needed because we're literally right downstairs. Yeah. Um, but so I think just systematizing, having a standard SOP, you know, stand, uh, standard operating procedures for whatever it is, however you decide to operate is important yeah. because you want to be able to, to repeat whatever you're doing that's working over every time. Yeah. Yeah. No, super, super well said. Um, you, you mentioned you have, um, a property that's, uh, in, I think you said the central coast, that's more of like a midterm rental. How, how has that performed compared to sort of your, your shorter term rentals? It's crazy. So we turned it into a rental in May of 2020. Okay. And so we're recording this mid early March of 2023. I think I've legitimately had one day vacant to be able to go in and take a look and clean stuff. Wow. So wow. it's been out the butt. And 30 days, like, 30 days is the minimum. 30 days is the minimum. So okay. yeah, we often get folks that end up staying longer. So I had a guy come in and he's like, he he came in off Furnish Finder, which is the the kind of midterm rental website that we often advertise on. It's it's, it's kind of geared towards traveling medical professionals. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people end up just using it because they know it's a good place to find a furnished house that's not Airbnb. Uh, so he was like, hey, can I stay for a year? I was like, yeah, I don't see why not. So he came, he ended up only staying for nine months. He he needed to leave early. Yeah. Um, but I was like, hey, if I can find someone to fill in your spot, I'm not going to charge you those three months and collect yeah. double. Yeah. And so we we have like we always have multiple people reaching out looking wow. for the space. Wow. Um, so it's just been it's been crazy. And so a lot of the cool things too about traveling medical professionals is that they will often get a contract for one to 12 months. It can be pretty variable. But then after their contract ends, they often get the ability to extend. Mm. So I had two women that are recurrent renting our place. They they booked it or they, they reserved for three months uh, and have since done two, three month extensions. Wow. So wow. like very it, cool. It, it, it's it's a very cool kind of middle market, I would say, that is a little bit different than your overnight guest. Yeah. And yeah. it's different than your your long-term guests as well. Um, so I have nothing but good things to say about the midterm rental strategy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, that's that's super interesting context. And I, I, I feel like, especially for folks that don't have like, you know, the most bespoke kind of crazy, cool, unique space. Um, like, you know, maybe maybe you do have this, you know, ridiculous container home in the, you know, middle of, of Idaho, and that's great. You're probably gearing, you know, more towards the one to two night, maybe a week stay. Um, but right. you can market it on Instagram and it's a totally different strategy than if you've got like a single family home uh, in like a, you know, a suburb that you do list as a short term rental. I think the, the like midterm rentals uh, as a strategy is, is just not something that I think enough people are, are talking about and or and or seriously exploring again, especially if you have a, a more traditional sort of like home. Um, yeah. So I love that. I love that. It's really it's really interesting to hear. Yeah. And I think it's just to your point, exactly. Like it's not for the glamorous, amazing, cool experience. Yeah. It's for the person that's there to work exactly to do a job. So it's more location specific yep. than it is, I would say, photo specific, Yeah, you know, yeah. Or, or curated specific. Yeah, that's good. That's good. A uh, couple couple final questions for you, man. One is, uh, I know you have a, a podcast yourself and it's, you know, you're, you're, an incredible guest, um, which means you're uh, probably oh, an incredible stop. host. Oh, stop. Um, and it's called it's called the SFR show. So uh, I, I just wanted to give you like a, a second to talk a little bit about the show, plug it if you want. Um, what, why might folks who are listening to this podcast, uh, or I, I guess a better question would be, who are the folks um, that should come listen to to this podcast based off of like how you how you've curated your audience? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I really appreciate that. So um, we are talking about all things SFR related, macro, micro, market specific, uh, how people should be thinking about the SFR space right now as a whole, uh, because we realize that, hey, things have pivoted, things have changed, things are not the same as they were a year ago. And so we want to be bringing people the most up to date information on how to be thinking about making different decisions in the environment as it stands today. And so we we just want to grow with people and be there uh, be their authoritative source for what's going on in the space. Nice, nice. And is, are you, do you have a co-host? Is it just you or? 
it's just me. Just you. So if okay. you can't nice. stand the sound of my voice on this podcast, don't come don't check go. us out. Don't go. <laughs> don't, don't bother. Yeah. So it's just me. We, we bring on, we bring on thought leaders. We bring on guests who are doing really incredible things, uh, and have some, some pretty incredible wisdom to share. Ah, oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, Hey, I, uh, I listened to just, uh, a, the, I guess it was like 20 minutes of the most recent episode. Um, and, it, it's well produced. Uh, the content's good. So if you are interested in the SFR space and you are looking for a new pod, go check out Michael's uh, pod. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes too, just to make it easy for folks to um, to, to find it. Uh, but my, my Thanks, last question, my, yeah, of course, man. My last question for you is, um, you know, because this is a, a show where we talk to Airbnb hosts, we talk about uh, short-term rental investing for sure, but guest experience, kind of like hospitality entrepreneurship, uh, and, and then just sort of like the greater travel space what I, I'm interested in like what hot takes you have on on like the future of travel and hospitality like where, where when you when you you know have a drink in your hand or a coffee in your hand whatever it is and and you're dreaming about the future of hospitality and travel like what comes to mind like what opportunities do you see yeah it's such a good question so there is this website called homeexchange.com I don't know if you've heard of it I don't know if you're listening I have heard of it. yeah so it, it's this like super old school feels like it's looks like windows xp style <laughs> website and it's it's literally for home swapping so like we've done it a bunch we go to their home whoever it is they come to our home there's the ability to use like what they call guest points yeah uh if, if you're not doing a reciprocal exchange at the same time um and so you can go travel literally the world and your accommodation is paid for. Yeah. The accommodation costs whatever your housing cost is at your home. And so I think you can do it with rentals. Don't quote me. I We've only done it with the properties that we've owned. But it's like mind-blowing when you start looking at who's on this website and where huh. they're located in the world. So I think that people are going to start adopting that more. Yeah. Because like, it's not that sexy curated stuff, right? Yeah. Which... I think it's cool. And there's a huge market that is looking for that. And it's typically going to be younger people. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's be honest, but the people that are, that are kind of, I would say graduated from that or no longer are interested in, in that, or that's not a good fit for them, or they want to do it for free. Yeah. Like this is, this is a really good fit for them. Yeah. Uh, so, so I would encourage people to go check it out. Um, we're huge fans of it again, not associated with it in any way, although I feel like I should be, uh, <laughs> because it's a really, really cool program, a really cool company. So I think people are going to be adopting that quite a bit more. Yeah. Ah, I love that, dude. Um, have you heard of uh, Kindred? Again, I've heard of it, but I couldn't tell okay. you why. What is so it? So they are. So and then the reason I have to talk about Kindred is because I had their founder uh, Justine. I think her last name is Paleski um, on the podcast. Maybe maybe like six months ago. Anyways, they're okay. they're basically building like the millennial Gen Zified uh, home exchange. Um, where oh, it's, really? yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, and I think that their difference, I, I don't, I don't know enough about, uh, home exchanges business model, but like, I think it's very similar. There's like a membership fee and then you, yeah. and then you can like swap homes and they do a bunch of vetting and yada, yada and whatnot. Anyways, so go absolutely go check out home exchange. If you also want to, you know, give a, you know, a shout out to, uh, or I, I just wanted to give a shout out to somebody who's a, a friend of the podcast, who's doing some cool new work, uh, in, in, in this space as well. So live kindred, I think it's livekindred.com is, is her domain. Okay. But if you just Google kindred, totally check that um, out. yeah. And I think what they're trying to do, which is also maybe a little bit different is they're, they're, they're trying to kind of like bridge the gap between nice curated spaces, that are also like, you know, swappable. So it's not just your your average, you know, uh, single family home. It's like, they're, it's it's slightly different. I, I think that that's the edge that they're going for is like, yeah. there's there's clearly been, there's somebody that knows a thing or two about interior design who has thought about the space. Um, it, it, I think they do require it to be your primary residence. Um, okay. Which I think is also okay. maybe a, a differentiator. Anyways, they're worth checking out too. But um, totally. But yeah, I I've never it's like done a it. hybrid. I've never done it, but my my parents have, and they swear by it. They they love it. Um, so yeah, it's it, exactly. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was it was hysterical. My grandma, I told her about it, and she's like, "Wait, so so they're in your home, and and you're in their home, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "Well." How do you know they're just not going to steal your stuff? And at that moment, I was just like, uh, 
I don't have a good answer. I was like, I yeah. guess we'll just steal their stuff. Like, I don't know. We're, like, <laughs> but yeah, I think you get you get the person that's in your space that they know you're in their space. And there's just very much mutual respect. Like, I have never heard of a horror story yeah. uh, with anyone from Home Exchange. And everyone gets to review. So yeah, yada, yada, yada. It's big, big fans. And I'm glad to hear your parents are too. Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. I love that. Um, well, hey, man, this has been a, a privilege. I, it's been like a wide ranging conversation, which is like my favorite kind of conversation to have. So thank you so much for, for your time. For folks who want to stay connected, connected uh, with Michael. I'm going to have his uh, uh, Twitter handle linked in the show notes below so you can go follow him on Twitter. He's constantly putting out really cool, interesting content. Um, any Anywhere else, dude, you'd like folks to to reach you be, be on Twitter? LinkedIn is is good too. Um, I never thought I would say those words in a million years, but that, <laughs> that's where folks can find me. Let, yeah. let me know what you heard you heard me on the podcast and we'd be happy to chat and answer any questions that anyone has. Awesome, man. Well, hey, appreciate your time. This has been a, a real privilege. Likewise, Zach. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll definitely chat soon. friends hope you've enjoyed today's show if you are an airbnb host or know an airbnb host who'd like to come on the show please send me an email at zach z-a-c-h at spontaneous.com and we will chat behind the stays is brought to you each week by spontaneous a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on airbnb it's sort of like scott's cheap flights but for airbnb you can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.